We started a message called The Good Fight of Faith. And the funny thing is I never drink two cups of coffee on a Sunday morning. I, might, I always drink one and it's a small cup. And so you guys know how much I move around, when I, but I've had two today, and so I'm sorry. Like, I can just feel it, uh, and I apologize. But we started a message two weeks ago called Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. But before we went whole hog into that thing, we thought, what is faith, right? We remember that? And so we reviewed Hebrews 11.1, 1, where we talked about now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I kind of rewrote this week just contemplating on the fact that where we went with that scripture was that we can't always just look at faith as a thing. But we need to look at faith as not just a thing, but also a who. Jesus is faith. Amen? So this is the way I wrote it. This week it says, now Jesus is the substance of the things hoped for. See, before in the scripture it said Hebrews, and Hebrews, it said now faith. But when we put a face to faith, it becomes now Jesus is the substance of the things hoped for. And we are bound to him. What are we? We are bound to him under his covenantal and contractual authority, right? We learned that substance means that we are under the authority in the Greek. That's what that word substance means. It means we're bound to him by contract. And we know Jesus isn't just a Jesus of laws anymore, is he? He's a God of covenant, right? And so it's not just a list of things that we do and we don't do anymore, faith. That's the way some of us looked at it. Some of us had to work faith up. Some of us were trying to work through faith. Well, if I do this enough, dot, 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 then I've arrived. But now we don't worry about that as much because now we have a face to faith and it's a relationship and I understand I'm doing this because I love you Jesus not because it's in the contract necessarily I love you and I want to do it even when it gets hard and we're going to talk about that later we're going to read on here where it says that we are literally bound to him under his covenantal contractual authority yes literally bound to him and faith is the binder because faith is Christ and Christ in us. Where's Christ? Is the evidence, right? The scripture says that faith is the evidence of the things not seen. Well, if faith is a person, where does that person live? He lives in you. You guys are walking billboards. I'm a walking billboard whether you wanna be or you not wanna be, right? And there's the story of the supermarket like and the fruit. And so you're producing fruit all the time, too. Did you know that? You guys are a walking market. And your fruits are on display, and your faith are on display for everybody. We think about this a lot of times solely just in the realm of the world. But I, I see all of you. I see every one of you, and I see you living out your faith. So does the world. They see you because we're walking billboards. You, the Christ in you, is the evidence of the things that we can't see, the things that they can't see. It's Christ in us that's the proof. Amen? Then we rolled on last week and we started talking about fighting the good fight for the true faith, right? 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, fight the good fight for the true faith and hold tightly to eternal life. And we're going to get there today to which God has called you, which you have declared so well, Timothy, before many witnesses. They were seeing Timothy in action. Paul knew it. They were writing about it. Man, what a testimony. Timothy is being written about right now, and we're reading about it. We're some of the witnesses now, and we're reading about it. This is what faith is, guys. My heart desire today praying over these messages isn't about me, but God has just breathed into me fresh revelation that we can do this because we understand who our source of faith is. Not what it is, but who it is. God has given every man a measure of what? Last week, we talked a little bit, or the week before, honestly, we said that God has really given every man a measure of himself to you. And the thing is, when 
I love, and I don't know why I always look at Byron when I talk about this. I apologize, brother. I don't know. Some reason there's just a connection there. But when God makes an investment, man, he wants a return. He's depositing something in you that he can only get a return that comes from you. The deposit that he placed on me, he cannot get the return in Abby. He cannot get that return from Abby. That's not the way he intended it. It's personal, and it's for you specifically. That deposit of faith, or that deposit now that faith isn't a thing, that deposit of Jesus himself into you, right? I think of the parable of the talents. Are you burying it? Are you burying it? You know, and there's a rumor, walk, and I just, we got to get this cleared up before we move on today. There's this rumor, and apparently there's some people in this building, some people think that it's humorous to make fun of pastors while they're playing charades. So we had faith family fun here on Friday night, right? We do that once a month now. We just come together because we want to be family, right? Want to commune with one another, have fellowship, have fun, even if it's at the expense. So we're playing charades. I'm not really sure we were playing to the true letter of the rules. Nonetheless, Kimberly was having us write names down on papers. You write it down what you want people to act out, right? You put it in the thing, and then the teams would pick names or the titles or whatever. And so there's this rumor that apparently Pastor Jim walks around clucking like a chicken and acting like a rooster, or that's how you act out if the name in the bucket is Pastor Jim. I would just like to say that there is no proof there's no video evidence of me ever clucking like a chicken or jumping off this stage like a rooster. Some of you think you might have saw it, but that's going to become a he said, she said thing in the court of law. I, 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 it was a blast. So I encourage you to come on Faith Family Fun Night. I, maybe I shouldn't use this word. I strongly dislike games. I gotta be real. But you know, the funny thing is, is when I play them, I always have fun. So it was great to be with friends and family and have some fun and food and fellowship. So thanks for coming out and supporting that. We're gonna get back to the topic though. Paul is exhorting Timothy and he's challenging him to fight this good fight of faith. Well, why is Paul talking to Timothy and challenging? Because there's a lot going on right now. When I mean right now, not right now, right now for Timothy, when Paul's writing this, okay? There's a lot going on, and there's a battle against truth, and it seems far-fetched and even hard to believe that people would begin to make their truths about the gospel that was so fresh and being lived out in Revelation in front of them at that moment. And it would seem hard that it could get contorted or twisted, but there's nothing new in humanity that people want to take the gospel and twist it to fit them instead of allowing the gospel to change us to look like Jesus. And that's hard. Sometimes it's hard. It challenges us at every level. But that's what he's talking about here in some portion. Not in totality, but in some portion. He's telling, challenging Timothy to fight the good fight of faith and hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. The subtitle for today was simply called, The Strategy Automatically Equals the Triumph. If you probably caught on, we were actually walking through fighting the good fight as it pertains to resting in it. We had the revelation or another revelation of what faith looked like that really our empowerment or our source of our faith is Jesus himself. And so today we're gonna to talk about the strategy and Paul gave Timothy, and we could really just say this, maybe expound upon it for five minutes and you could go have dinner with your families by 
11.45. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I promise I won't keep you too long today, though. But as I was studying this and contemplating it, like, I don't know if you ask yourself or you have conversations with God, because that's the kind of relationship I just have with Jesus. It's not impersonal, it's personal. I can talk to him and he talks to me. Sometimes I hear it in the stillness of my soul. Some, I always hear it in the word, because he is the word. He's the living word though. But I'm asking God like, I don't wanna just, hey, go fight the good fight of faith, guys. Go do it, you can do it, and paint it that it's easy all the time, and it never gets hard. But I also don't wanna say, go do it, but not tell you how to do it. I don't wanna do that, God. But do I even know how to do it myself? You guys learned a couple weeks ago, and I don't know how we always come back to the chicken story. It was when the chicken came out. But it doesn't matter, sometimes in your life, the devil can trick you and he can get your focus off of your rightful place to be seated, right? Which is where? Where are you to be seated? And who put you there? Jesus put you there. Jesus seated you next to him in heavenly places, right? He picked you, he picked me. But the devil wants to get you to think that you don't even deserve, or hey, look over here. Hey, man, come over here, right? And then we start doing that, right? And it begins to cost us something because we're no longer in the wraparound presence of the Father, right? We're gonna get to that in Ephesians 6 here in a moment. And it's an amazing thing if you get the revelation today about the armor of God, that you're already equipped to fight this fight. Jesus didn't tell us to go fight a good fight of faith. Paul didn't tell Timothy to go fight a good fight of faith if he wasn't already equipped to do it. You're equipped. Everything that you need, you have. You may not be trained in it totally good yet. You may have to walk through some stuff to learn how to use it, but you got it. Because to say anything would be different would be to say that the measure that Jesus gave to you of himself was insufficient and not sufficient enough. And if you say that, oh, I only got a little bit of Jesus, I said a couple weeks ago that a little bit of Jesus will get rid of any problem that you have. A little bit of Jesus, that faith of a mustard seed, is Jesus saying, if just a little bit of me can overcome anything, but do you believe it? We talked about yesterday on the worship team, like if we don't believe this stuff, what are we doing? We can't have a defeated mindset and expect to walk in victory. Write that down today. You cannot have a defeated mindset and pretend you're gonna win the good fight of faith because you won't, you don't believe it. You just set yourself up for failure. I can say that from a personal standpoint. I tried to fight the good fight of faith from a defeated mindset because I didn't even truly understand who I was in Christ until I got called out on the carpet about it, and it was Jesus that called me out. The testimony goes like this, and I wasn't really planning on sharing it, but we had a special service here at this church. We were serving in this church, and I'm sitting on the platform while there's a prophet in the house from Indiana, I believe, or Illinois, and he's ministering, he just simply, hey brother, would you keep playing your guitar? I'm like, sure. So I kept playing. Man, he ministered a long time. I thought my fingers were gonna bleed and not in the Brian Adams song kind of way. But I'm playing and he's ministering and you could just, man, the spirit of the Lord in this place was just so heavy. And I just, when God moves in your life, man, those are times in your seasons when you just don't forget. And he walked up on the stage. Thank God I'm not the only one. He was walking all over the place. But he walked up here and he had his head down and then he looked at me and he said, brother, you don't know who you are. I mean, I didn't say anything, you know? What are you gonna say to the prophet? <laughs> when he said, I don't know who I am, huh? But he was absolutely right. I didn't know who I was. 
He said, you're living like a servant. That sounded like a good thing, didn't it? Oh, but listen to what he said, man. This is, just, you know, this is Abba. This is daddy in the moment. He said, you're living like a servant. And he said, you're a son. He said, understand one thing, man of God. Sons always know how to serve, but servants were never sons. It shifted my life that day, but it, the reason and the point in this moment, I know what Holy Spirit is saying, it shifted me to understand how to begin to start fighting from a place of victory and not a defeated mindset. I started winning some more battles instead of getting pummeled on the ground all the time when the devil, the accuser of the brethren, would come and accuse me and say, who do you think you are? Well, let me tell you who I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king, and that's my daddy. I'm not strong, but in my weakness, he is this is where what we believe begins to affect every part of how we live out and how we fight. And so the key this morning is Paul is telling Timothy, lay hold of eternal life. Some versions say lay hold of eternal things. Well, what does that mean? And I'm, as I'm asking the same question, and I answer, I'm like, Dear God, could it be that easy? There's only one thing. There's only one person that's eternal. I said there's only one thing and only one person that is eternal. And when Paul is encouraging Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, and lay hold of eternal things. He's saying, lay hold of the eternal one. There's only one. My brother, lay hold of Jesus. My sisters, lay hold and hold tightly. That's what he's saying to Jesus. Hold on tight. And by the way, it's easy to hold tight when you're seated right next to him in that place. Remember what we said? Be still and chill. And it doesn't matter if Michael Buffer or whatever his name was comes out and the microphone drops and you hear, let's get ready to rumble. That doesn't scare you anymore. It doesn't matter when you look across the ring and there's the devil, there's the world and your flesh staring you down in the face. It doesn't matter anymore. Because you're empowered by faith. You're empowered by Jesus himself this morning. Lay hold to the eternal one. Grab hold of him and stay in your rightful place. Your mindset begins to change and shift. Because here's the thing that we said last week. What makes a fight good? And you all said winning. Has there anybody in here ever played in a game or in a sport or some sort of competition, and you lost? Come on, am I the only loser in here? <laughs> I'm not the only loser. That was fun, wasn't it? Losing's fun. I love losing. Isn't it awesome? No. Who says that? A loser? <laughs> Hey, we don't talk like that in church. A loser. But here's the thing. You're not a loser. You're a winner. If you are in Christ this morning, you've already won. That's the place where you begin to fight from, and that's the place that the devil wants to trick you into even remembering when you're fighting the thing. Your thought isn't, oh, I win. Your thought is, I'm getting beat up and I'm getting pummeled most of the time. I did the same thing so much. My life was like a roller coaster. <laughs> Going down the hill and you're freaked out because you're coming out of your seat and you're hoping that that seat belt is passing right. And next thing you know, you're going back up the hill. 
oh, you can breathe for a minute, but you're like, what's ahead next? I don't know. But there's that place in Jesus Christ that you're actually fighting a battle. But it doesn't make sense because our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Our battle's in the spirit realm. We forget about that sometimes. But the craziness of the world can be going on. Is there some craziness going on right now? There's some craziness. Stacy and I's testimony in the midst of COVID was looking at each other on our patio because we supposedly weren't allowed to go anywhere. I'm not gonna get into all that. Anyway, like, did you ever think that we would see some of this stuff? Like, no, I wasn't even ever sure my kids would see some of this stuff. Like, but nevertheless, I'm like, like, I can't wrestle against this. All I gotta know is what the Word of God says about seasons and times and things like this is for such a time as this, He's created you and me to be in this time, in this space, and in this season. He created you if you had kids for them to be and run the future going forward. Oh, our poor kids, they're not gonna make it. That's the defeated mindset. But if your kids are in Christ, they've already won the war and God has already positioned them in a place to continue the battle and fight it and fight it because we win this morning, amen? We've got to change our mindset. But I ask God, it's like, is this really that simple? It can't be, it can't be this simple. It just, it's not even possible. There's gotta be like 45 scriptures about this and laying hold and the Greek and the root, and there probably is, by the way, because <laughs> that's also who God is. But for me, he knows to keep it simple. I'm a simple man, I need a simple God. He's like, brother, lay hold of me. My son, lay hold of me. That's how you fight the good fight of faith, and that's how you fight the good fight of faith and win. I feel impressed in my spirit to say this, and I hope it doesn't come across as a tributary like where Jim is going right now. God, I just thank you for your spirit in this place. There's some of you that have been fighting this fight and you're struggling and you've said things out of your mouth. I'm, I can't win, I can't do this, God. And I even had a testimony last week at one point, not that long ago, where I said those same words. God, I'm not sure if I can do this anymore. That's a defeated mindset, right? But even in those moments, God reminded me one thing is, if you're having that thought, guess what you're still doing? You're still fighting. And are you still standing? And when you've done all else to stand, what should you do? Stand anyway. Keep standing. If you're not feeling like you're winning, you've gotta ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, why do I feel this way right now? Why do I feel like a loser right now? Is that what you said, Jesus? Are you trying to show me something? Are you trying to teach me something? We'll never win anything with that defeated mindset. We have a lying, cheating, stealing adversary in the devil. He wants all the focus to be on him. That's all he's simply trying to do is distract you. Can you imagine, I never like to play what ifs, especially about the devil, because I don't ever want to be him, although I played one in a play once. I'm not sure why I got chose to be that role. Anyway, what would it be like to think like the devil that you're fighting in these battles? But one thing is very clear. You've already lost. So what's the end game for him? What's the end game for him when it pertains to you and me? How many here this morning said you were in Christ? You raised your hand, I'm born again, I'm in Christ. Like the hands are all over the place this morning. So what's the end game for the devil when it comes to you people who are in Christ and you've already won with Christ. 
You're on his team. What's the end game? Get you to even remember that you've already won, first of all. And then suck you away from your rightful place to be seated next to Jesus. And he does that because he did it to me. He'll suck you away and you'll soon forget the farther you get away from your rightful place of who you are as the son of God. You forget about how much Jesus loves you. And I'm coming up here this morning, the poor camera guy's thinking, what am I gonna do right now? This shot is getting really wide and you're all on camera right now. But I'm moving from the stage and farther and farther away because that's his only thing that he has left is to lie to you, to rob you, steal, right? Because he steals and he lies, but he's really good at it. That's what the Bible says. He's more crafty and more cunning than anything or anyone. He's good at his game. But I say to you, men and women of God, the little bit of Jesus that he's trying to remember that you don't even have anymore is more than enough to overcome anything that he's doing. But the question is, question is, do you believe it? Now remember, you said earlier you were billboards. Your billboard is telling that story. And the bad thing about mirrors is you can see your own billboard now. What half price at Chick-fil-A? I'm gone on my billboard. I don't know what's on your billboard. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. I know y'all wanted Chick-fil-A and Lima so bad. You, <laughs> you forgot it's closed on Sunday. Oh, some waffle fries. Hallelujah. See, that's what happens, you know? I, you all have just been transported to heaven, I believe. And Jesus is waiting with sweet tea, waffle fries, and a spicy chicken sandwich. Oh. I wanna read to you something about, and we're gonna come back at this approach of fighting the good fight, but lay hold of eternal things. And somebody mentioned last week, like, being really gracious and just saying, you know, I really appreciate your message and some other things. And he said, you know, why didn't you talk about like spiritual warfare or the armor of God? And I'm like, well, I don't really think that's where God's taken us. Um, but I said, I do have a scripture though, and we're gonna read that. I said, we're not gonna spend a lot of time here, but we're just gonna make a point like, um, sometimes I just think we make things so hard. It doesn't mean that life isn't hard. When the disciples were in the boat, the storm still came when the Hebrew children still had to go into the fire. You know, I don't wanna sign up for that kind of stuff, but God knows what he made you, what's in you, and what you're capable of, and it may be hard. I just always think about Job, man, that dude. Like, was he not faithful at the beginning? Before all that happened, right? Before all this stuff with Job happens, must have been a really awesome man of God for God to have a conversation with the devil and say, hey man, you wanna mess around with someone, some of my people? How about you can consider my boy Job? You ever think about that? Like I don't know why we're going there, this is a tributary, definitely not thinking about being on at the moment. You ever think about that? God must have thought something pretty amazing of Job. But we don't think that way. We think because we're going through it, like, oh, what did I do wrong? Or what are you trying to work in me? What are you trying to work through me, Abba? But you see, you can only say those words if you have a victorious mindset and you have ruthless trust in the King of Kings. Now, those words don't seem to match ruthless and trust because ruthless kind of means without pity. But as Brennan Manning so eloquently put in his book, Ruthless Trust, 
That kind of trust doesn't consider self. It only considers what Abba says. It only considers what Abba says. But here's Job and he goes through, you know the story, family members removed from his life and removed like not living and breathing anymore, that kind of removal. Livestock, everything taken from him. And can you imagine Job being in a relationship with a woman and at one point the woman says, dear me, why don't you just go to the corner and die? Thanks, honey. Appreciate that encouragement. I really feel victorious now. But you all just said that he was a man of God before he went through this. What did he look like coming out of it? What did Job learn in the midst of that? No, he didn't want to sign up for that, but nonetheless, I think he had a mindset that God, I just simply trust you. You're working and moving, and it doesn't matter what I see right now, and I trust you. If you felt that I needed to have my family removed from me where they're not breathing anymore, and if you needed to take my cattle or my land or anything from me, I trust you enough, God, to believe that you know what you're doing, and my plans are not yours. That's faith. That's some hardcore faith. But I just think Job's billboard of fighting the good fight and standing in the midst of all that is the biggest billboard there ever was in that day. And you could see it on every mountainside. Jesus is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills where you could see that billboard from a thousand miles away. And Job's life, and though they didn't have text messages and they didn't have email, let me tell you what, that word got out quickly. Did you hear about Job? Did you hear what he went through? Hey, he still trusts God. Do you believe that? That dude's some sort of crazy. Yeah, crazy in love with Jesus. All right. If you brought your Bibles today, we're gonna turn to Ephesians. The sixth chapter we're quickly gonna run through 10 through 18. It'll be up here on the board, I believe. Bingo. You guys are awesome, you rock. However, we're gonna read this from the Passion Translation this morning. But you should be able to follow along if you have another one. Here we go, Ephesians 6. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of infusion? This isn't a physical battle. It's gonna look physical. It's gonna feel physical. But you gotta keep it spiritual. That's how we win. Here we go. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lay hold, in other words, lay hold to Jesus and let him supernaturally infuse you with himself. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in you and through you. Man, I love this translation. Stand victorious. Remember that you won. You're a victor, because he did it. It's not about you, but it's knowing that the Jesus that you said I now stand alongside with and sit next to, he's the winner, and I'm in him, and he's in me. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in you and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us. Put on God's partial armor. No. Put on all of it, right? The end of this is gonna be so incredible. Hold on, fasten your seatbelt. Look to your neighbor, this is about to get bumpy. Tell him that right now. I hate it when the pastor says do that. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for you. It's already provided so that you will be protected as you fight against 
the evil strategies of the accuser. He's accusing you. It's in his bag of tricks. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings. I'm going to say that again. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with people. Pastor Damien said it more eloquently than I can ever say it myself, and there's no reason to come up with another way to even try. There's a force behind a face. When you live in the spirit realm, you'll be like, oh, that's not normal. You know, your spirit man knows, hmm, that's not that person. If you're in relationship, man, there's something going on here. We gotta pray. You look to there first, because that's the spiritual side of it. When you look to the physical, the physical is just looking to remove you from your place where you're seated and get you to fight hand-to-hand -hand combat. Well, guess what? You're all losers. Okay, I'm a loser. Did Pastor Jim really call us losers today on Mother's Day? Oh, yeah. By the way, thank you for having me here. This will be my last day. <laughs> if Pastor Damien's watching, he's going to fire me. Uh -huh. You're not losers, it was in context. Please don't take me out of context. You're all wonderful, beautiful people, and I love you. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. Under the heavenly realms, they're fighting down here on your level. And they're working and they're moving. Sometimes we think, oh, the devil and his boys, they're all up there in heaven. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. That's not theology. That's not proper theology. The devil was cast where? All right. You finished studying that. You guys are awesome and intelligent people. For they right, speaking of the principalities and the authorities, are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provided so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. Another thing that he does. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. So here's where it gets good. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on truth. Here's where the point needs to be made. Not what is truth, but who is truth. Jesus is truth. So get this in your picture while we're, we're pretending that we're putting on our armor Put on truth as the belt to strengthen you so you stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Put on holiness. Who is holiness? Who is holy? Who's the holy one? Jesus. Stand on your feet alert. Not asleep, but alert. Then you will always be ready to share the blessings of peace. Because you're not concerned. You're covered. Man, I want to say something right there, but not yet, Jim. Hold on to this thing. I should get, I don't know. You're buying dinner today, Kyle. I've been here five minutes already, and I haven't moved. I'm holding on to dear life. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith. Take what? Take faith. Oh, this is so good. I mean, my mind exploded when I read this. Take faith as your wrap around shield. Like, that's not even fair. Devil, sorry. It's not even fair. But you superheroes, you superheroes get a shield, and it goes all around you and all over you. That's not fair. I mean, it's cool, because we got it. It's not fair for the day. It wraps around you. Faith is a thing, but it's also a who. The presence of God. 
is the thing that's wrapping around you and covering you in his wings and holding you close to his side. Like, I got you. I got this. Come on. We're doing this together. Oh, let that get in your spirit this morning. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. Take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one and embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from the lies. Man, I lost my helmet a few times. I think they make you do some mean things in the military if you lose your helmet, don't they? I've never been in the military. Any military guys, when you're battle armor type stuff, don't lose your helmet, right? Better know where that thing's at. It's the same way on the football field. You better know where your helmet is at all times. That's your responsibility. Anyway, I don't know how we ended up there. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from the lies. And take the dull, broken, spirit sword of the spoken word of God. No, take the mighty razor that's sharp on both sides, by the way. And we got to remember one thing. The cool thing is every piece of armor is offensive and defensive. Every piece of armor has an offensive element and a defensive element. And when you're in the wraparound presence of the God, that's when he tells you how to use it and when to use it. You can't hear him when you're outside of that place and you don't know how or what to do. That's when somebody's ear gets lopped off. You know the story. Don't go around lopping people's ears off and Jesus got to put them back on. And take the mighty razor sharp, mighty razor sharp spirit, sword of the spoken word of God. There's no easy button, and I can just live this thing without being embraced with the word of God. I told you a hundred times, if there was an easier way to do it, I would have found it, and I would have wrote a book, and I would have told you all about it, and for $14.95, you'd be on your way. But the easy button is the word. Hello? The easy button is the word. Read it. Fall in love with it. Do it. It works. You win. Pray passionately in the Spirit as you consistently intercede with every form of prayer at all times and pray the blessings of God upon all of his believers. Putting on the armor of God is simply putting on Jesus. He is every piece of the armor. It's him. It's not just a thing. We've got to stop looking at life and how we read it as just things. Everything is speaking about Jesus here. And that's what Paul was trying to tell Timothy to lay hold of. He wasn't trying to tell him to lay hold of some mysterious thing and good luck finding it. Lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold of the eternal one. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. And when you do that, you'll always be fighting from a place of victory. I hope you don't find yourself today thinking that I'm preaching at you. Because let me tell you something. I have lived this out for the last three and a half months, and it's been brutal. And I'm not looking for your sympathy. I'm just telling you that I'm here with you guys. I'm not any different. I don't have this all figured out. I just believe that God in this season said, I'm taking all of you, if, and especially as you sit here in new life, we've been commissioned to be disciple makers, but we have to be disciples first. And the cool thing that I love that uh, Pastor Stacy always says, you never stop being a disciple. It doesn't matter how old you are. Some of us are older than others. You never stop being a disciple. I hope that you know, like, I understand that I make this, and when we stand up here sometimes, whether it's pastor or myself, we make it sound easy. I understand that there's gonna be times when it seems hard. But do you sit in that quiet place and instead of allowing yourself to be moved so easily by things that people say, things that they do, things that you say, 
Because did you know you can remove yourself from that seat? You can sure as well take yourself and walk away from that seat. That's when the chicken comes out. God's like, what is that boy doing now? I'm not jumping off the stage today. What are my people doing? Come back to me. Come back to my wraparound presence. In me you live. In me you have your being. Right? We're getting ready to wrap up here in a minute, I promise. We have to understand that the formation, the foundation, the fuel, and the function of our faith is Jesus. I'm going to say it again. The formation, the foundation, the fuel, and the function of our faith is simply Jesus himself. Man, I make it so hard sometimes. I make it so hard. I got to work up faith. I just had a mustard seed. I'm bigger than a mustard seed. Come on, you should be healed by now. Uh, 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 work it up, work it up, work it up. No. Mm -mm. Man, be healed in Jesus' name. Like, it's not me doing it. It's, faith is the gift of God. It's a gift of himself to you. We don't have to work up healing people. Daddy says, go pray healing over that person. You go do that. And don't make it spiritual, and you don't have to have 40 hookah pashandas and I gotta pray this powerful prayer. If Jesus just says, hey, go pray healing over the brother right now. We make it so hard. In Jesus' name, peace to your mind and be healed in the name of Jesus. And walk away. What did Jesus do? He didn't spend all day. He said crazy things. Pick up your mat, dude. <laughs> Pick up your mat. We'll see you later. Go tell everybody. Or don't go tell everybody sometimes. They're like, whatever. But dude, it was always simple. He didn't entertain demons while he was doing it because he knew his authority. That's what faith does. That's what the faithful one does. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. You keep it simple. Keep it to the plumb line. He's the plumb line. He is faith. Before we close, I want to read this to you out of Brennan's book. Probably should have brought my glasses. Help me, Jesus. I forgot. We started out talking about things that we say, how we think, how we believe, and how it affects every part of who we are, and it affects how we fight the good fight of faith and the story about my mama. I want to read this to you from this book, and I just want you to think about it. So promise me you'll think about it, all right? There was a 14th century theologian. His name was John Toller. John prayed for eight years that God would send him a person that would teach him the true way of perfection. Not eight minutes, not eight seconds, not even eight days. <laughs> this dude was still fighting the fight of faith after eight years. But one day, everybody say, one day, while at prayer, he heard a voice from within telling him to go outside to the steps of the church, and there he would meet his mentor. Sweet, if I was John, I could not get dressed and out there fast enough after eight years. So this account says that he obeyed without hesitation, like I thought he would. And on the church steps, Taller found a barefoot ragamuffin in rags, wounded and caked in blood. So John Taller greeted the man carefully and said, Good morning, dear brother. May God give you a good day and grant you a happy life. This is where it gets interesting. Put on your ears for five more minutes and we're gonna wrap up. Sir, replied the ragamuffin, 
I do not remember ever having a bad day. I think this is where I started crying, and I'm like, what do I really believe? And I don't know, I'm about to cry now. Anyway, stunned, like me, stunned. John Toller asked, he asked him, how that was even possible since sadness and grief are a part of the human condition or the human conditioning, my own added there. The beggar exclaimed, you wished me a good day and I replied that I cannot ever recall having spent a bad day. You see whether my stomach is full or I am famished with hunger, I praise God equally. When I'm rebuffed and I'm despised, I still thank God. My trust in God's providence and his plan for my life is absolute. So there is no such thing as a bad day. He continued, sir, you also wished me a happy life. And I must insist, I must insist that I am always happy. Okay, my attitude might have changed here when I was reading this. Oh, good for you. You're always happy. Mister, I've never had a bad day. <laughs> oh, help my, help my attitude, Jesus. Oh. So he continued, sir, you also wished me a happy life. And he said, I must insist that I am always happy, for it would be untruthful, hear this church, it would be untruthful to state otherwise. My experience of God has taught me that whatever he does must of necessity be good. Thus, everything that I receive from his loving hand or whatever he permits me to receive from the hands of others, be it prosperity or adversity, sweet or bitter, I accept with joy and see it as a sign of his favor. For many, many years now, my first resolution each morning is to attach myself to nothing but the will of God alone. And I have learning and have learned that the will of God is the love of God. And any by the outpouring of his grace, I have so merged my will with his that whatever he wills, I will too. Therefore, I have always been happy. The beggar's witness to Jesus Christ lays in ruthless trust in the love of God and the determination for in all things give thanks. And you're probably wondering this morning as we're wrapping down now, there seems to be these three words that always intertwine themselves with faith. One of them's hope, right? What's another one? We just read about it. Trust. Faith, hope, and trust. And isn't it funny that the word some people sometimes have just come up, well, hope isn't faith. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that, that that's not, hope isn't true. True faith. There is this union between faith and trust and hope. And as, as we've learned today, it's kind of simple. But Brennan Manning puts it this way. He says, faith arises from the personal experience and understand this part here that faith arises 
from the personal experience of Jesus as Lord. When we started this message th three weeks ago, I said that faith was nothing more than a reflection of your relationship with the King. Brennan goes on to say, hope. Hope is the reliance on the promise of Jesus, accompanied by the expectation of fulfillment. I'm gonna read that again. Faith arises from the personal experience, your personal relationship with Jesus as him as your Lord. Hope is merely the reliance on the promise of Jesus himself accompanied by that you know it's going to be fulfilled. And trust is the winsome wedding of faith and hope when they unite together. Would you all stand with me this morning? God, I thank you this morning that we can rest while we're fighting the good fight of faith. God, I thank you that the spirit of revelation would continue to ride in and make your deposit into the soil of our souls, God. If there's things about faith, and maybe better way to say it, if there's things about you, Jesus, and how we've thought about you and how we've related with you that maybe weren't really right. Would you allow that new revelation to come in and take root in the soil of our souls? God, and I pray right now that it wouldn't fall to the wayside or on the shallow ground, but it would find deep soil and those roots, those roots would go deep, Father. I thank you, God, that you're the empowerment of fighting the good fight of faith. It's you, Jesus. And I thank you, God, that for the strategy that leads to triumph is simply we need to lay hold of you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who works all things together for our good, all things together for our good. The Bible says that he works all things. There's some of you who are going through things right now and you're wondering, but I'm telling you, the word of God says that if you love him, that he's working all things together for your good. And I'm telling you and I'm asking you by the Spirit of God right now to sit down and be still. Sit down and be still and just simply say, God, I trust you. Even if you've got to be real in that moment and you say, God, it even hurts to sit at the moment and relinquish control. I promise you, brothers and sisters, if that's you today, that when you sit down in that moment and you relinquish control, God says, now I'm going to fight for you. You were doing it yourself before. Now I, let me fight for you. Because when you let me fight for you and we do it together, we win. We win. hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, there's some people that you found in a hard place. And I just hear the Spirit of God just saying right now, you're in a hard place, but I'm the rock. You're in a hard place, and you think that there's nothing that can crack this hardness, this hard place I'm in, or the hardness of my heart in this area, whatever it is. God said, I'm the rock that can crack that thing. But you've got to trust me. So God, I thank you that you're living, you're breathing, and you're moving today. God, I thank you today that if we are in Christ, we are full of faith because we're full of you, Jesus. And God, I pray over these people today that they would be the best billboard as they go and stand and fight. As they go fight the good fight of faith and their billboards are on display for you, for all to see. I thank you that their billboards speak of you, that they are the evidence that there is a God, whether the world sees him or not. He's alive and he lives in us. <laughs>